That is Honeycone from 1971, and um, the title of uh, episode 237 of my podcast is One Monkey. And um, it's so funny, isn't it, how uh, sometimes um, something that struck you in your youth or adolescence or even in your childhood, um, when you see it or hear it or encounter it again in adulthood, it, uh, it may still mean something to you because it's part of you. It is an an ineradicable part of you, but it may deepen its meaning. Uh, It's not that you couldn't understand it, because the part of you that was looking for love, to quote Jay Giles, the part of you that was really uh, hopeful, the part of you that was uh, deeply um, needy, and uh, even if you were four months old, the part of you that was just utterly and totally um, um, animated entirely by the uh, desire to be loved and to love and to have an object upon whom to pour your love and uh, be loved, uh, that uh, a person responded to something that they saw, maybe even negatively when they were little. But then later on, the instinctual response uh, develops a little bit of meaning, uh, has some meaning to it. So uh, that's a long way of saying that I might have heard the songs of Honeycone back in 1971 or 72, they did a song called um, Wan Ads, with which we'll conclude the podcast, which is just fantastic. And they had another hit called Stick Up, which is along the same idea. And they all, um, they appear to be angry songs uh, against the man who has really run out on or let down the woman. And she's basically saying, you know, if you're going to love me like that, if you're going to hurt me like that, if you're going to not love me like that, then I'm not going to take it anymore. You know, I'm, I'm out of here. If I cannot expect to respect and not just Aretha Franklin respect, but real love from you, then this relationship is uh, not going anywhere and I'm leaving. Now, um, sort of the narrative, that horrible, horrible word, At least it's horrible because of what it has done to this world. But this is not about narratives. Uh, The narrative says, well, the honeycone were early feminists. They were early emancipationists because they basically said to men, we're not going to take it. However, if you listen, actually listen to the songs, and I listened to them even in the midst of relationships long ago, they're not anti-male. They're not anti-men. They're anti uh, an inequality of love or an invalidation of love that the man gives. And these are big words. But uh, one monkey don't stop no show means um, means that I did love you. I gave you everything. We had an ecstatic and total love. She says it in the song. But then she says, but you ran out on me. You 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 were sitting pretty and you went off and you did this or that. And I now realize that you didn't really love me. And so um, if you can't love me the way a woman needs to be loved if she's to love back, then this is the end. And so one monkey, don't stop my show. Life must go on. And uh, they did another song called um, Take Me With You, which is, which is just a plaint, an absolute plaint of someone who's pleading with the man who's sort of gone off to find himself to really understand that um, why it is that she needs him and how ultimately he needs her. And it's a very beautiful song. I think it was this minor hit, but I remember the top three. Now, One Monkey, One Ads, and um, Stick Up. But I there may have been another one. But the point is, they raise a great question, and I only really understood Honeycone, which had been in my unconscious for 40, 40 years, at least 50 maybe, when I heard Paula White. Now, I know some people, you must be saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe that Paul is, uh, you know, has such a high regard for Paula White. I mean, given this, that, and the other of her affiliations or her 
history or her approach or the kind of cultural things that surround her ministry, you may be saying, you know, have I uh, taken some kind of crazy pill? Well, um, I'm not talking about the circumstantial or uh, exterior uh, things, which I think are secondary regarding Paula White. Let me just have a sip of something. Non-alcoholic. And um, no, I, I believe that God speaks through Paula White. It's not about her person, which I do admire and respect very strongly. I respect her intelligence. I respect her extraordinary articulateness and her very great gift for spontaneous and extemporary preaching of depth. But what I really, all that's secondary to what I blows me over with Paula White, and that's because I feel she's a kind of oracle. I've explained this to you before. A kind of a, 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 an oracle, a, a vessel through whom God speaks. And typically the other night, she and Jonathan Kane, her husband, were having a kind of marriage conversation at New Destiny on the Wednesday night. And uh, it was perfectly good, but I, I listened. I said, oh, I better not, you know, because some, something, she'll say something that will be too penetrating. Well, she did. She, 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 she has no patience for people who want to homogenize the sexes because of the Bible. She believes that man, woman was made for man, and man was made in the way it's described in the book of Genesis, and that there are that men and women are different, and she honors that. She doesn't see that as a negative. She honors it like honeycomb, <laughs> and she honors it, and she works with it. And she was saying that, um, you know, I'm speaking to you men here. Women understand this instinctively, quay women, that, um, that they want safety, that a core need for women, said Paula White, is safety. Now, that word used to turn me off. I thought it was lame and girly because it sort of implied, you know, putting your arm around somebody if the, if the elevator gets stuck between the floors or um, kind of, you know, watching very carefully that someone isn't uh, who's squeamish doesn't have to deal with a frog, you know, or a or a or a snake. And I, I understand that safety, but that doesn't. That's not really. That just strikes me as being. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't do great things emotionally for me. It it, it almost points to weakness uh, in in a way that is not. That just did, I just never could understand what they meant, but now I do, because I understand what she meant. She said, safety, it is safety in the sense that the woman, said Paula, has to know that the man really will stand by her. She has to put her, she's putting herself and her future and her child into the hands of this man in the confidence and the trust that he will not betray her trust and actually will come through. He will actually support her and help her and hold her and um, be with her and accompany her in the challenge challenges of life and not let her down because the worst thing is to be let down and be cast all alone into the slings and vicissitudes of fortune and she doesn't she says women very deeply require a trust in the safety that the man confers now i understand that in other words they need to know that he's not going to leave they need to know that he's not going to suddenly get a better idea. In order to give all that they wish to give and desire to give and love to give and freely and gladly give and joyously give, they have thankfully give and just out of themselves, their real selves give. They have to believe they're not giving to a man who will take advantage and ultimately leave. And for a relationship to prosper and endure and have long-term success, it has to, uh, underwritten, the, uh, has to be the trust and the fidelity and the truthfulness and the lasting love of the man which confers safety. And now I understand that. I've seen that happen in lives. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it when it goes wrong and I've seen it when it goes right. And immediately the honeycomb, honeycone, the group named Honeycone, the three women, um, Chicago, Detroit, wherever it was, I, um, 
I understand what they mean. Uh, you've you've let me down. You went out and gotten, you know, you were looking for sugar. They have all sorts of words they use. You were out and about, or you were even trying to find yourself, as in Take Me With You, that beautiful song from 71. Um, but I needed, um, I need to know that you're here. I need to count on you. I need to be able to count on you. And that's core. And when that is violated, uh, love is invalidated. And I say that ruefully and truthfully, and I hope that... I can um, um, follow through on it and uh, act the wisdom of Honeycone and Paula White and uh, my own wife and others whom I've known to follow through and understand that and to be that kind of person in whom in whose um, fidelity and uh, um, truthful self-presentation and love another can exist, prosper, and love back. Anyway, that is what uh, Paul White did for me. That's what Mary's done for me. That is what past experience has shown me. And that's what uh, Honeycone uh, said to me. And I really just wanted to say uh, that. And I wanted to really um, sort of ask you, you know, do you... Are you really worthy of her love? I mean, are you? Do you love her? I mean, we're not. Remember here talking about um, circumstantial differences or unities. I mean, the fact that I have the same birthday as you, or the fact that um, our family backgrounds are very different, or the fact that I went to a very different kind of. Um, school or college than you went to, or the fact that I had this uh, tragedy in my life early that you didn't have, but you had that gift in your life that I didn't, or uh, something about my own um, um, associations gives me something important to bring to the equation that you don't have, but you have something else. Um, it's not really, th those things are really indifferent. There is a, um, th th there is a scene, a throwaway line in, in a movie I was watching yesterday. It was called Adam Age Vampire. Now, it is a movie from 1961. It is a classic Italian horror film that was made in 1960 and released in 1961, and it's actually very good. It's been the subject of a lot of uh, interest in recent years, but I, I saw it when it, not when it first came out, but I saw it on television maybe in 1965 or 6, and uh, a, a nurse uh, says something that is uh, utterly uh, striking uh, when you see it now. Um, uh, the situation of Adam Age Vampire in 1961 with Alfredo Lupo as the Adam Age Vampire is of a beautiful model who's very involved with her own beauty, who has a terrible car crash, and her the entire left hand side of her face is horribly disfigured by burns as a result of the crash. And um, she is just beside herself. I mean, she simply cannot imagine living with this horrible disfigurement, this beautiful woman, uh, but on her left-hand side of her face, which has made her into like a monster on the left-hand side. And this is all she can think about. And she is in the hospital recovering after some plastic surgery, which has only been partially effective, and the, and the bandages are, are off. And she screams, and, and she has a gun in her purse or in the bedside table uh, in the hospital room. And she grabs a gun, and she's about to pull the trigger. And the nurse comes in, uh, having heard the scream, a matronly nurse, and she grabs the gun out and throws it in the ground and says, what were you going to do? And then the woman just falls to pieces and she said, I can't go on living. I can't go on living the way I look. And, and she sort of points to a picture that's on the same little bedstand in which the gun had been in one of the drawers. And the, um, and the nurse very obviously says, who is that? And she says, oh, that's my lover, or that's my fiancé. I think she says, that's my fiancé. And I, I just, I just, I, I just, 
I have to kill myself. And, and, the, and the nurse just says this. She says, well, if he really loves you, this won't be a problem at all. Je répète. The nurse says to the horribly disfigured blonde model who's just tried to kill herself, the nurse says, well, if he really loves you, this shouldn't be a problem at all. Well, it's such a throwaway line. You hear it and say, you know what she's thinking is, how could he possibly love me and let me look the way I do? The nurse with incredible probity says, well, if he really loves you, he, he won't, this won't put him off. Well, Adam Age Vampire goes through many um, vicissitudes before it reaches its quite remarkable conclusion, and it's very good. It's like that Barbara Steele movie called A Nightmare Castle from the same era, black and white, with the same kind of very uh, almost sadistic but beautifully expressive, powerful core um, emotions expressed, usually about love and ugliness. But in any event, she is saved at the end, and the man whose picture was on the bedside table saves her. But what is so, uh, and really truly saves her, works very hard at saving her. He has to almost die twice to save her, almost die three times to save her, and he really puts his head, screws his head on right to save her. It's a powerful movie. But Adam Age Vampire, that line, if he really loves you, well, that's what we need. And Paula White said it. Uh, and sort of Jonathan Cain shook his head ruefully. Uh, uh, <laughs> I guess I've learned that. If you, if you don't love her, she can't love you back. I mean, if you, so adultery becomes really a, it's really, it nullifies the love. Uh, obviously it does. A man can't fully see that, really. It's, it's just hard. I don't care what you say. It doesn't come naturally to a man. But when I heard Paula White say it, and when I remembered the songs of Honeycomb, all of which were evoked the ecstasy and the joy that the woman singing had had with the man, but the man had let her down. And he had let her down uh, powerfully, prospectively in Take Me With You, but definitively in One Monkey Don't Stop No Show and Want Ads and Stick Up, believe it or not, although that involves a baby. But um, my gosh, uh, that's what happens. If you, if you love, she will love you. And so the question always is, do you really love this woman? And oftentimes the answer is yes. I've maybe faded in this or I've lost that or I've been overcome by this problem or some depression or anxiety or some fault in me has overtaken me and I'm not able to love the way I did and the way I would like to and the way I hope to. But that doesn't still take away from the fact that love, love that is actually felt is always received. And that is what I wanted to say. And I hope you've liked this. And I now believe we're going to hear um, Honeycone uh, doing uh, want ads.